Uncaged. Uncaged. A show celebrating thought leadership from today's top business leaders. The program provides a voice to amazing executives from around the globe who are shaping the world of business today and mapping the path to the world of commerce tomorrow. And now, please welcome our host, Bant Breen, as we begin another Uncaged episode. Today, we are delving into the world of engineering as well as construction, but with a financial focus here. So we're speaking with Ali Feruzi. Hey, Ali, how are you? Good, man. How are you? I'm very, very well. Um, Ali is the chief financial officer of the PAC Group. The PAC Group is a very large company. It's a company that's focused on engineering program and construction management and process engineering consulting. They're in over 19 countries and six continents. And uh, Ali comes to us from LA today uh, to tell us a little bit about what the PAC Group is doing and also to talk through some of the financial challenges that we're seeing in the world today and how companies are managing that. But before we get into that, Ali, tell us a little bit about yourself and your career. Sure. Um, well, the first thing to note is that I technically wasn't even supposed to be in this career. Um, I was going to be a lawyer uh, originally. That was the plan. I uh, wanted to get into corporate law and do M&A work. Um, that obviously didn't happen, much to the chagrin of, of my parents at the time. Uh, I ended up... Uh, Ali, ultimately, that's a good thing for you, though. <laughs> Honestly, I think being a lawyer is a tough gig. It is. Um, you know, as you grow up, you, you learn, you develop a little bit, you observe, and you fine-tune your, your path. So I was doing my undergrad at Loyola. I thought I was going to be a lawyer. Um, but I did a lot of work in finance because I wanted to do M&A work in corporate law. Uh, so finance was always in my sphere of, of interest and education and part of where I wanted to land. And I began working at the bank part-time <clears throat> just as a college student. Uh, it seemed to beat doing uh, other types of work. The hours were nice. People were good. It's air conditioned. It was nice professional work. Long story short, that stuck. I stayed in banking. I graduated Loyola. I did not go to law school. Spent a number of years uh, working for Washington Mutual and ultimately J.P. Morgan, uh, doing a number of different roles for them, ultimately letting up in a vice president leadership role. Um, and then I had one of those uh, moments where I didn't quite align with the company I was in. So we amicably parted ways. Uh, I spent a couple of years working on a new branch deployment for a credit union, um, uh, which is nice. The nonprofit space is always a little heartwarming. It's uh, financial institution focused on the members giving back to them, you know, it's nonprofit. So they dump all the money right back in the membership, which I liked. Um, it aligns really well with my value system uh, and just a good group of people and many people that I'd worked with in the past ended up there. And uh, about almost nine years ago now, I had an opportunity to join the PAC group. Um, a lot of my, uh, somewhere in there, by the way, I also did a graduate degree, you know, why not? And um, I had the opportunity to join the PAC group as uh, their CFO. It's a multinational, as you mentioned, an engineering, uh, consulting, and a couple other jacks of trade types of lines of business, and uh, immediately fell in love with it. Um, I love the international aspect. There was a lot of travel, which sometimes can be a little onerous, being away from home three, four months out of the year, uh, but visiting all the different offices, as you stated, on all these different continents. I'm in Asia, South America, Europe, Australia, 
Uh, only place I didn't go was Antarctica. Um, I actually would have liked to have gone there, but we don't have an office there. So that's all right. So far, so far. So far, so <laughs> far. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how things go. But um, if they ever build anything there, I wouldn't mind visiting a job site. Uh, and it's, it really piqued my interest because it's really dynamic. Um, mm -hmm. Being a global company, uh, we're much smaller than many of our competitors, but that really makes us nimble and agile, which means we try to keep the hierarchy flat, be very responsive um, to our clients' needs quickly. Uh, we like try to cut out the red tape. Um, I immediately went to work on building our team and really trying to modernize and, and push forward everything we we're doing in the company. Yeah, PAC does so many different things. Tell me a little bit about that, like the core business and how it's kind of moved into all these ancillary areas. Uh, that's, that's a great question. You know, it was, it was founded by um, husband and wife almost 40 years ago. So our 40 year anniversary is coming up in about two and a half years. I'm sure we'll do something very big and amazing and fun for that. Um, it started off really focused on program and project management, um, smaller kind of parts of the business. And over the years, as many companies do, when your clients' needs expand and just what you're doing grows, we expanded. Um, acquisition, organic growth, we did all different kinds of things, writing technical documentation, doing construction management, laying out plants, manufacturing engineering, we do product design now. Um, all these things came under our umbrella. Um, we used to only work with automotive OEMs and tier one, tier two suppliers. That really means the, the big boys that supplied them. Maybe not some you know, guy who surprised a little nut, but the guy who supplies the seats and maybe a transmission or really the big players. But over the last 10 years specifically, we've really branched out. So even though we've done food service companies in the past, defense, um, many different industries, we have been very heavily engaged in the last 10 years with technology companies uh, and actually work with some of the largest in the world today um, on supply chain issues for them internationally, um, uh, physical construction management for their sites, laying out their sites. Um, so working with these companies really truly been a privilege. Um, everyday companies that, that you and I see all the time, uh, boxes that get delivered to our doors and phones that we use in our hands, uh, seeing kind of behind the scenes as it were. Um, a, you get that much more respect for the companies because you really see how amazing the inner workings are. Uh, but it's continued to be the next stage in our evolution. So now we're doing a lot of things we used to do for automotive and we find that you know what? Tech companies need the exact same thing. They need yeah. supply chain management. They need you to verify vendors. They need help designing processes. They need help with physical plants. So we're morphing like good companies do. We're transitioning yeah. and growing and changing over time. And uh, that brings us to where we are today, which is really heavily focused on still supporting all of our, our legacy clients, still involved in automotive and vehicles, but have a tremendous growth in working with the tech company clients that we have. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, such a range of solutions and and certainly I can see how it's following that evolution of the industry in general. You know, when you look out at the business today and what customers are asking you guys for, what are the kind of the key trends right now that are a big focus for you guys? You know, we find a lot of companies, even the very, very largest, are saying, you know, wait a minute. Do we really have to do everything ourselves? Um, can we just go to somebody to do this one thing instead of building a whole team to do it uh, and having an internal de department of all of our employees for something that maybe we're not going to do all the time or something that's going to move around the world? So if you establish your team in North America, you don't really you're not going to ship them everywhere all the time. Uh, that's not really feasible. 
So they're seeing the value in coming to a company like PAC that already is all over the world. And they can say, hey, you know what? You did that for us in location A. We noticed you got location B through G over here and we kind of need the same thing there. Can you do it for us there? Sure. We have teams, we know the country, we're in the country. We can quickly deploy, ramp up and do what the client needs, hand them the end result. They're happy, we're obviously happy. Um, and they have simplified their job, whether it's evaluating a supplier. Um, again, we do this for very large uh, uh, tech companies. So they're thinking, you know, why do we have to do it? Let's go to people who know how to qualify suppliers, do supply chain um, verification and evaluation. So they come to us for these things. And what's really interesting, Dan, is that after all these years of working in automotive, seeing all of the parallels today with tech companies, and most people find that a little bit odd. They go, how do the two relate? It's incredible how they relate. Plants, constructing, managing, designing, optimizing, going back after the fact, fixing, improving. Um, the automation, you know, the concept of conveyors, which many package delivery companies use. Automotive did this 30 years ago. Uh, you know, they are the conveyor industry to begin with. Uh, use of robotics. Automotive mastered that. I mean, you don't get much more advanced than uh, robotics and automotive that put precise welds, you know, in 3,000 places on a car for you all day long. Don't take breaks. Don't do anything and do it with precision that we simply can't match with regular people. And all of a sudden, all these things make sense in the tech space um, to varying degrees. You know, some adaptations, obviously. It's not a direct carryover. So it's a whole new chapter two that looks really similar to chapter one, but for a whole new group of, uh, of end client consumers that we're working. Yeah, with. it makes complete sense to me. I look at all of the major challenges that it takes to assemble something like a vehicle. I think people always forget the complexity of things like the supply chain and literally managing the efficiencies of how a, a factory operates. It is, it is truly a Herculean effort. And so I can completely see how the PAC group can move into those areas for a variety of different business verticals. But let me change gears a little bit because I think that people really will want to know your thoughts on this. Over the last couple of years, we've been going through quite a complex moment. And I'd just be curious to hear you know, your experience, you know, from a finance perspective, especially how uh, you were able to navigate the pandemic and some of the things that you're seeing as good learnings coming from it. Yeah, that's a, that's a really excellent question. <clears throat> and I'll say that, as I'm sure with most people in companies, when the pandemic started, being something that none of us have ever seen in our lifetimes. Really unprecedented gets thrown around a little bit too often. This was unprecedented, I think, the, the, the right use of the word. So we were trying to figure it out like everyone else. Um, we had and continue to have a huge focus on our employees. So my initial thought became, how do we take care of our people? Um, as I'm sure many finance professionals and executives are doing across all industries. Well, geez, we have all these employees. We have to worry about hundreds of people on payroll, hundreds of lives that are affected and linked to us. How do we keep our team? What's going to happen with our clients? What should we do going forward? Um, how should we operate our business? So I'll give you a couple of good examples. We, as we move through the pandemic, us and our customers learned a very critical lesson, which carries through now and I think is going to be permanent. We don't always have to be somewhere in person. So we very often had a situation where a client would say, oh, you know what, we need these 12 people on site. And even though they're doing design work and this and that, there's a huge cost to that. 
um, rental cars, housing, per diem, feeding our people, incidentals. And now afterwards, and during rather, during and continuing to today, oh, you have a design team in X location? No problem. The technology is good enough. We're getting the same work product. Maybe we have one or two people on side of our senior team to serve as liaison and coordinate back and forth between our client and our support team on the PAC side, but you don't need 12 people sitting in a room. Uh, I think everyone's learned that now. Um, our conversation is not in person. You know, this was not required to be face-to-face -face a, at a table. The clients learned that. Huge savings for them and benefit, and for us, because we could quickly keep all of our people engaged. In many cases, move more rapidly to meet their needs, uh, save them money, which they definitely like, and get them the same output that they were hoping for before. So we were learning, how can we do things differently? Let's the way we did it yesterday is not necessarily going to work. It forced us to think about things differently, forced the client to think differently. And we've arrived at a new place where everyone goes, geez, this was kind of a no-brainer. And I know we said, I don't think we could do it. Turns out we really can. But I'm not sure, Pant, that that would have happened had we not had this catalyst. Yeah, no, I think it's a really, really good point. I think about that. You know, we imagine the complexities of engineering and consulting, especially on the scale that your company operates at. There was always that, I guess, maybe vertical expertise bias, right? That people wanted you on site, right? That you had to be there, right? In the thick of it. But absolutely, there's all these new ways to do it. And I would imagine it allows you to be more efficient and perhaps even go faster. Yeah, absolutely. And we really looked at everything inside. So another tangential point to that is um, I'm a huge fan of employing technology and improvements where it makes real sense. So I don't like technology for technology's sake to say, oh, wow, we can do this. And it's look how cool and fun in an app. How can we really make meaningful impact in the business uh, for the right value? And that even escalated that. You know, We're moving to all these things that I wanted to do in the past. They were moving a little bit slower than I would have liked, but now all of a sudden everyone is on board. All of our internal stakeholders go, yep, let's do that. That makes a ton of sense. We're able to push a lot of initiatives, a lot of automation, using a lot of AI for processing invoices, video meetings. I love that, Ali. You know, what I think about, and you'll appreciate this, I think, is, you know, there's always one guy on the leadership team or one person on the leadership team that's always been the no vote when it comes to kind of using the new technologies and the new ideas. And during the pandemic, that vote kind of disappeared. <laughs> you know, like, 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 it was the first time that was kind of overruled, right? Right. That's right. Um, it, because it brought into sharp focus for everybody. Look, here's what can happen. Um, it was a little difficult to argue when you're staring at it in the face. Um, so those have all been positive things. Yes, there's obviously a lot of negatives that went along with what happened, but we're looking at the glass half full part of this and saying, well, what do we get out of it? For all of the, all the things that we were doing, what did we really walk away with? And what we walked away with was a forced case study that I think is, has first certainly improved PAC. And from my anecdotal observations of many other companies, improve them as well. Now we'll see how many people uh, ultimately stick to that, but geez, it's been, uh, it's been a nice positive change overall. Yeah, no, it's amazing to hear that. And I mean, you can see how that's played a big role and offered tremendous opportunities to PAC going forward. But, you know, I think that everybody who's living through 2022 needs some guidance and advice in the business world from you, Ali. You know, everyone's thinking about financials these days. And perhaps, you know, you can ask, you know, how did we get here? But, you know, certainly everyone looking at the back half of 2022 is trying to figure out 
out how to manage finances. Sure. What's your thoughts? What's your advice for folks? Um, you know, the, the same advice I would, that we've used a piece and that I would give my colleagues at other companies is really similar to the same advice we give to individuals. Um, we went through a period of incredibly cheap money. Um, I think we saw a lot of an overly abundant amount of risk appetite, which in, in some cases really wasn't appropriate. Uh, a lot of overextending happened because people thought, well, you know, the money's cheap and you know, let's go out there and do A, B, and C. Hence why you get inflation, you know? So let's, let's tie the two together. That's just the, the, the obvious part of it. Um, so people went out there <clears throat> and made business cases and assumptions that, oh, wow, the money's so cheap. So now we can do A, B, and C. Um, and not enough thought went into, well, what happens when the rate turns into this, that, or the other? You know, what are the scenarios we should consider? And I, I feel both companies and people are going to get caught a little bit on the wrong side of, um, of this turn as the interest rate environment keeps changing. So I would tell people, you know, really, and companies, um, be mindful when you look at your personal balance sheets or the company balance sheet. Don't go um, overextending yourself. Don't go getting into things you don't really need right now. Um, it's a good time to have a liquidity cushion. Again, for people or companies, no different. Um, and just don't bury yourself in debt with the assumption that, oh, it's going to be really cheap. Look, look what we can have because it doesn't cost that much in a monthly payment perspective. Uh, that's how you get yourself into trouble. And the famous saying that in accounting, you know, companies go bankrupt slowly then all at once. Um, that's, that's true for people as it is for companies. So I'd say be defensive, be mindful. Um, don't go doing things that don't really have to be done. Be thoughtful about projects you want to implement or initiatives you want to launch. Um, make sure that you're doing ROI analysis and thinking, you know, are we really getting money back for what we want to do here? Or is this just a pet project that sounds fun and we thought, you know, we can swing from the fences for? Uh, right. that's, that's a really high level just a general piece of advice, but there's a lot more details. That I love it, Ali. I think you described it perfectly. I feel like it's like go for singles and doubles, maybe fewer home runs right now, uh, right? But there still remain tremendous opportunities in almost every sector right now. We'll see how the world evolves over the next 12 months. And hopefully the economy won't have too many negative repercussions. Ali, thank you so much for being on Uncage today. We've been speaking with Ali Feruzzi. He he is the CFO of the PAC group. I, I It's been great to talk to him about uh, certainly the growth of the PAC group. You know, PAC is a globally integrated engineering program and construction management and process engineering consulting firm. It is very much a scaled business at this stage with operations in 19 countries and six continents. And Ali has been overseeing their financial growth and stability over this incredible period. And so it's been great talking to you about that. And we look forward to having you back. Cheers. Cheers.